these. Anyone not get one of these yet? Anybody need a book? Anybody? Ernie? All right. And was it Mrs. Spear had her hand raised? All right. Go ahead. We'll. Amen. All right. Anybody else with a Bible memory? Yes, Stacy. But he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Anyone else? Janie. Amen. That's our verse for today, Genesis fifty twenty. God meant it unto good. All right, anybody else? So if you have one of these books, on page four is the Bible reading that you can be doing ahead of time, whether you do it Monday through Friday or through Saturday like it has here, or you just do it all on Saturday. It's just good that we do it ahead of time. Uh, that way you're kind of thinking and, and kind of already uh, doing a little prep work before we get here on Sunday morning. And so, uh, and if you uh, need a book, let me know. I've got some. We'll give those to the uh, others that come in later. Uh, but we're going to get started today, and we'll be in Genesis chapter number 37. And I do want to give those ladies that said verses, and so I'm going to ask Jason if he'll be the... And, and, and oh, by the way, there's, there's Giadelli chocolates in here now, all right? Just kind of spicing the pot a little and uh, adding a little bit to it. So... Um, there's uh, Lindor's in there if you dig deep enough, but uh, that's just incentive to uh, say a memory verse uh, here at church. Well, Genesis chapter 37, and what we're going to do today in this first lesson is we're going to do an overview of the whole story of Joseph. Then we're going to go back lesson by lesson, and we're going to talk about all the in individual details about Joseph. And what you'll find is that Joseph is one of the greatest types of Jesus in the Bible, He's not Jesus, but he is, uh, in I think over 300 ways, a type of Christ uh, and so many similarities. And so he's, he's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Thank you. And um, he uh, hopefully will be yours too. Uh, but God meant it unto good. So as we start in page 5, the life of Joseph is one of the most beautiful lives ever lived. There are few characters in the Bible as glorious to study as the man Joseph, as we begin this study, uh, let us familiarize ourselves with the highlights of Joseph's life. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to hit the highlights and give you the general story, but then go back and, and look at the details. Uh, first of all, there's three S's. The first one is sold into slavery. Sold into slavery. Joseph was the son of Jacob, whose name had been changed to Israel. And uh, if you're reading your Bible reading through the calendar, you're reading through this right now. Uh, as you go through the calendar. And the Bible says that Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. That's not good. Uh, but if you know the story, Israel or Jacob had uh, two wives and he had sons by both uh, wives and uh, he loved Joseph's mother uh, more than uh, Leah at the time and uh, he favored Joseph. This isn't going to be good for Joseph. Uh, and so Joseph then was hated by his brethren because 
he was his father's favorite son. So chapter 37, verse 1, Jacob dwelt in the land uh, wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. The lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's other wives, his, his father's other wives and concubines. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Well, that doesn't help either. Uh, but Joseph probably was loyal to his dad and could see what his older brothers were doing and knew that dad wouldn't appreciate what they were doing, and so he told on them. Now, verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that, their father loved him more than all his brethren. They hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And so we see here what's happening. When Joseph was 17 years old, he was sent to check on his brothers. And so we go down. We'll, we'll just keep reading the chapter here. Uh, verse 5, and Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said to them, Here, I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we are, were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose and, and, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And you can just see all of his brothers looking at him like, oh, okay. And his brethren said to him, shall thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. Verse 9, he's, he, he might have been a little slow on the take, but honestly, he's just, he's just being honest. He really had these dreams. And he really was right when he told his dad what they were doing. But he's certainly not... He's certainly not um, rubbing them the right way. Here's the other dream. He dreamed yet another dream, told it to his brother and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him. They were sick of these dreams where now it's not just the brothers, the stars, but it's the sun and the moon. Mom and dad are all going to make obeisance and bow down to him. But verse 11 says at the end of the verse says, but his father observed the saying like I, I had a dream once and it was from God. So even though it was kind of insulting that he being the youngest boy at the time would, uh, other than little baby Benjamin, that would would have these dreams where they're all going to bow down to him. But if you know the story, that's exactly what happened. They all pretty much were subject to him by the end of the story. Verse 12, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. So Joseph is sent on a journey to go find out how his brother. There's no cell phones back in those days. Go find out how your brothers are doing and how the sheep are doing. Verse 15, a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence. For I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, <clears throat> even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Here comes the dreamer. Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will see 
we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. This is their attitude towards their own brother, half-brother. So they stripped Joseph of his beautiful robe and cast him into a pit. Instead of taking his life, fortunately, they decide to sell him <clears throat> as a slave for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was sold for 30, but again, one of the types. Now, look at verse 21. And Reuben heard it. The oldest brother heard them talking about this plan of killing him. And he delivered them out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. Let's just throw him in a pit, but don't kill him. Reuben thought, I, I, I can't let them do this. And by the way, these guys were ruthless. Earlier, just a few chapters earlier, two of them killed a whole city in revenge for what they had done to their sister. Verse 23, And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, the coat that his father had given him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread. And they lift up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of the Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, and we are in our flesh, and his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianite merchants. And they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver and they brought Joseph into Egypt now the Bible doesn't give us the details but I'm I'm sure when it says they threw him into a pit there was yelling and crying and, and guys please don't do this guys I'm sure there was all kinds of scuffle and objection and, and pleading and and begging and uh, maybe that got to them a little bit and Finally, Judah, one of the older ones, not as old as Reuben, but one of the older ones, the leader of the group, really, Judah said, let's sell him. Well, might as well not kill him. He's our, after all, he's our brother. So why don't we just sell him? Then it won't be our fault if he dies. And so that's what they did. They sold him. And uh, here's what they did after that. Verse 29, and Reuben returned. He'd been gone. The oldest had been gone. He returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. And he returned to his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? He thought for sure they must have killed him, but they didn't. And he was absolutely devastated because his plan was to let Joseph go after they cooled down. But they sold him before he could do that. And, of course, if you know anything about Reuben, he's too chicken to tell his dad the truth. So verse 31, They took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the goat in the, in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. Is this, is this Joseph's coat? We found this coat, and it's all ripped up, and it's got blood on it. Would it happen to be Joseph's? And he knew it, verse 33, and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all, and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my, fa my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of the pharaohs and captain 
of the garden. And how old was Joseph when this happened? Do you remember? 17. 17. So at age 17, he sold as a slave. And just look at chapter 39. 38 is the backstory. So 39, we'll pick up again and look at the first two verses. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptians. What a shock. What an absolute shock, but God meant it for his purpose. I've read the Bible enough to know that even when bad things happen, God is still God. And even when things happen in ways that don't seem fair and don't seem right and and would not be ideal in any circumstance, you would never wish this on anybody, especially someone that's innocent. And yet, God is big enough to handle all this. God is bigger than we are, can do a better job than we are. Reuben had the wrong idea. I'm going to try to pretend and, and no, that's not the answer. Reuben, Reuben didn't accomplish anything, even though he was trying. But God knew how to take care of Joseph. And even though Joseph is a slave in Egypt, and again, uh, we don't hear about it, but obviously he's probably walking behind a mule or a, or a camel tied and just walking in that hot desert sun down into Egypt. I don't know if they let him ride once in a while, but I know this, he was a slave. And I wrote this down in my margin. There are no accidents and there are no coincidences with God. Nothing happens that God looked down and said, oops, I forgot about that. Never. God knew where Joseph was. Notice chapter 39, verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph. Was daddy with Joseph? Daddy loved Joseph. So if daddy's not with Joseph, can Joseph possibly survive? Yeah, why? Because God's still with Joseph. We got to understand that. We got to recognize that. I think I told you this a couple months ago, but when I was a young parent, I always had the fear of my children being kidnapped. And, and, and I always had the, the thought, what, what if they were? And what if that was something that was to happen? And so my focus and my sober mind was to make sure that my children understood as much of the word of God and understood God and understood they could trust God and have faith in God so that ever they were abducted by some crazy people, they would still know that God is real and they can still believe in him and trust him. And what you're going to find out is that's the way Joseph was. You'll never see Joseph curse God in all this. And God meant it to good. This is not good, but God meant it to good. So we see actually some better things in Egypt. We see better in Egypt. And we read verse 1 and 2 already of chapter 39. Look at verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from time that he made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. He knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. Potiphar 
Potiphar learned to trust Joseph so much that he no longer even paid attention to what the book said. He just knew Joseph was taking care of it, so he just sat down and ate the food and knew that it was all being managed by this young man who was a testimony for God. Joseph was better off in Egypt in the care of God than he was in Canaan among his brothers who despised and envied him. Oh, that couldn't possibly be. His father loves him. But guess what? God was still protecting him. God was watching over Joseph. Joseph was not out of God's eyesight. Joseph was in God's care. And so I say to you, even if my children were taken from me and how horrible of a thing that would be, first of all, I'd be praying for them. Not knowing where they are, but just begging God to do something and, and cause a miracle in their life and allow them to still uh, follow him. Of course, Jacob thinks he's dead, or at least assumes he is. But in all this, it's even better in Egypt. There, at this point right now, there is no 10 brothers out there that hate him right now. They think he's done, he's gone. There came a time, though, when Potiphar's wife attempted to seduce Joseph. Look at verse 7. It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. And I love what he says next. Because what he says next is so telling of what he thinks. Verse 9. How then can I do this great wickedness knowing that your, your husband's going to find out? Is that what he said? How can we get away with this? Someone will surely see us. I can't do this because my daddy would hate it if he ever heard about it. No, there's only one individual in Joseph's life that even at this point that even cares what he does as far as, as, far as morals, morals and morality. There's only one individual in Joseph's life that really cares what kind of... Egyptians probably do this kind of thing all the time. I'm sure this wasn't the first time Mrs. Potiphar had done something like this. There's one person, though, that Joseph knows is still watching, and that's God. He says, how can I do this and sin against God? It's God who's watching. It, 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 that's, that's who mattered to him. Even and, and oh, by the way, I think some people at this point would be like, why should I even care what God thinks? He didn't hear me when I was in the pit crying. He didn't hear me all the way down into Egypt crying. Why should I care what he thinks? But this is just a proof that Joseph really believed God in spite of everything. And infidelity in marriage is a sin against God, by the way. It's not just a sin against the other spouse. Adultery is a sin against God. That's what Joseph is proving to us here. And so... Verse 10, it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her to be with her. And we were talking about this on Friday night in our hope ministry. We have to learn that when there's temptation out there, we have to find a different route. We have to learn to avoid it and pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. And so Joseph was doing that as best he could. He, he was just staying away from her. 
Verse 11, it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none other of the men of the house there with the within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. It came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in the, an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which he, she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. And just like the chapter starts, notice what it says at the end of the chapter. But the Lord was with Joseph. It didn't look like it. I mean, it didn't look like God was with me when you allowed my brothers to sell me as a slave. That didn't look like you're with me. And then it started to look like you were with me when I started to do things and I started to really become pretty popular in the house of Potiphar and everything was just like everything I touched was gold. And then boom, I get charged with this false accusation. And now I'm in prison. It doesn't look like God's with me. No, he's still with you. See, circumstances don't prove whether God's with you or not. The Lord was still with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So even though she lied about Joseph and he had to go to prison, someone said it this way, and I think it's a great way to say it. He lost his coat that day, but he didn't lose his character. He lost his coat, but he didn't lose his testimony. And so even though it was now not so good in Egypt, it was actually better in prison. God still was with him and blessed him. And while he was in prison, Joseph was better off in prison with his character than living in the lap of luxury in Potiphar's house without his character and having committed adultery. Oh, by the way, I think it's probably true that Potiphar knew she was lying because Potiphar was captain of the guard. It would have been real easy for Potiphar to just have him killed. And God was with Joseph and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did, there was he was the doing, doer of it, just like at Potiphar's house. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. <clears throat> the Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 1, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. And even though prison sounds pretty lousy, especially prison in a foreign country, that sounds really bad, God is still there. God is still there. Now, I don't know that Jacob believes that Joseph's alive. He believes Joseph is dead. But had Jacob known that Joseph was alive, he could pray and say, God, I know that you are still there wherever my son is right now. And we need to understand that God is a better, does a better job of parenting than we do. And God was doing this and allowing this for a reason. The Lord delivered Joseph from prison <clears throat> because Pharaoh had a dream. And the butler, and I'm passing up some of the story here because of the sake of time, but in chapter 40, you see that the butler and the baker got thrown in prison. 
and they got thrown into prison because they made Pharaoh mad. And while they were in prison, they, they both of them had a dream. Each man had a dream. The butler and the baker both had a dream. And after Joseph talked to them, he said, listen, I know something about dreams. I'm, I, 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 tell me your dream. And he interpreted their dreams. And to the one, he said, oh, your dream means in three days you're going to be restored back to your job and it'll all be fine. And the other one, he said, your dream means in three days they're going to pull you out of here and they're going to hang you and execute you. You're going to be dead. And sure enough, three days later, the baker was pulled out and executed and the butler was pulled out and returned back to his position as the chief butler. And Joseph told the butler, he said, now, when you go back to serving him as the butler, remember me, tell someone I'm in here. Would you just remember me? And it says at the end of chapter 40, they hang the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to him interpreted to them in verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Now, why do you think that was? Well, if you're the butler and you got thrown in prison for making Pharaoh mad, you probably don't want to even bring it up. I mean, who cares if Joseph rots in prison? So Joseph says, now remember, tell him, give me, put in a good word for me. And the butler incon- or very conveniently decided, I ain't gonna, I'm not remember when you threw me in prison because I really messed up? No, he's, he's just going to forget it. And so he conveniently forgets Joseph. You're starting to see a pattern here, and it's similar to Christ forsaken by his brethren falsely accused forgotten and we see the pattern and the type of Christ in all this well what happened is is that Pharaoh had a dream and the butler who had been imprisoned with Joseph remembered that Joseph could interpret dreams all of a sudden now it's convenient to talk about Joseph and God enabled Joseph to interpret Pharaoh's dream, and he was exalted over all the land of Egypt. <clears throat> and you see that in chapter 41. And although the butler had forgotten Joseph, it's evident that God had not forgotten Joseph. So just by coincidence, right, <clears throat> Pharaoh has some dreams, and it's troubling him. And he says, I need someone to help me figure out what these dreams mean. And the butler says, oh, that reminds me. I know a guy back in prison who interpreted my dream, and it came to pass exactly as he said. Maybe he could. And they pulled Joseph out of the prison, and they shaved him and cleaned him up and stood him before Pharaoh. Now, do you know how old he is when he gets finally pulled out of prison and stands before Pharaoh? He's 30 years old. How old was he when this whole thing started? 17. 13 years. 13 years, almost half of his life, he spent as a slave in Egypt in prison. The box says, we want God to work quickly, but God desires to work thoroughly. Why doesn't God move? Well, he's moving. It's just slower than we expected or what we were hoping. So we have sold in Egypt. We have sinned against by his brethren. God worked in Joseph's life even though his own brethren sinned against him. And they did. And the Lord used a famine. So what happens next? Well, to just give it to you in a nutshell, and then we'll go back and look at it all and see some of the details of this story. It's a beautiful story. Joseph hears Pharaoh's dreams, and Pharaoh's dreams 
the interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams are that a famine is coming. There's going to be seven great years. And he has this one dream where he says, I, I dreamed that there was these seven fat cows and they were really fat. And I mean, they just, and, and then there was these seven skinny, scrawny looking nasty cows and the seven skinny, scrawny, nasty looking cows devoured the seven fat cows. And all the Egyptian guys said, too much anchovies on your pizza, man. I mean, well, that's the weirdest dream I ever had. But Joseph said, no, that's a sign. And then the other dream was similar. And, and he said, what you have is you have the next seven years of plenty. You're going to have seven wonderful years of harvest. But what's going to happen after that is you're going to have seven years of famine. And those seven years of famine are going to be so bad, you're going to forget about the good years because you're going to just, it's going to devour it. It's going to destroy it. And at the end of the chapter, Pharaoh said, that's exactly what it means. I know it's true. He said, is there anybody else that could possibly handle this? He said, what should we do? And Joseph said, what you should do during those seven great years is start to storehouse, build up a stockpile of, of food and huge, huge food banks of food and, and just try to store up for these seven bad years that are coming. And Pharaoh said, that is such a wise idea. Who else could handle this but you? I'm putting you in charge. And he made Joseph second in command of the entire country. Only I'm greater than him. Better than me, he is the ruler of this land. I'm sure Mrs. Potiphar was going. Mr. Potiphar and Mrs. probably decided to take a vacation about that time. But we see what God is doing here. And oh, by the way, the dreams, remember his dreams back in chapter 37? Those dreams were his his brothers, those those sheaves are going to bow down to him or the, the stars and the sun and the moon are going to bow down to him. Those are starting to look more realistic now. Because the Egyptians were the only ones who stored up food for seven years. The rest of the nations, including where daddy and all the brothers lived, didn't know about it. And so after the seven years of plenty, the word got out that Egypt's got food in store. We've had a bad year of famine. We've had two bad years of famine. It's getting bad, but I, I heard a rumor that they've got food in Egypt and you can go buy it. Pretty soon, Daddy tells his sons, hey, I hear there's food in Egypt. Go down there and buy some. So chapter 42, verse 1, now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, why do you look one upon another? And he said, behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down now thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die he said but don't take little Benjamin the baby brother Benjamin was Joseph's full brother the only two boys that came from Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin and, and Benjamin was the baby boy and Jacob said I want you taking Benjamin J Joseph never showed up and so I, I'm not letting you take Benjamin but you ten you older ten you go down to Egypt and you buy food for us Verse 6 through 9, Joseph was the governor over the land, and it was he that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph, chapter 42 and verse 7, Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them and spake roughly unto them. He spoke Egyptian unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed of them. 
and said to them, Ye are spies, and to see the nakedness of the land, ye are come. Remember, they didn't like him because he reported back to dad about and spied on them and what they'd done. Now he's accusing them, you're spies, and he's testing them. So you see chapter 42 to 44, and I don't have time to go through it all, but he's testing them. And he notices that there's 10 of them, but where's my little baby brother Benjamin? Did they do to Benjamin what they did to me? I wonder. And so he says, you're spies. No, 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 we're actually, no, we're all brothers. Believe it or not, we're a big family and we're all brothers. No, you're spies. We read the events that took place before Joseph revealed himself to his brethren. And so they said, we, we are 12 brothers. Our baby brother's at home and the other brother is, is not. He's, he, he knows he's no longer. He doesn't realize they're talking to him. And Joseph says, all right, well, I'll let you have some food. I'm paraphrasing this. And, of course, he's talking through an interpreter this whole time. They have no clue it's their own brother. He looks Egyptian. He's talking to through an interpreter in Egyptian to them. Of course, he can understand every word they're saying. And someone there, somewhere in there, Reuben's saying, oh, this is our own fault. We brought this upon ourselves. I told you we shouldn't have done that to our brother. And Joseph can hear the whole conversation. But somewhere in there, he said, what, what about these brothers? Well, our, our baby brother's at home. Whew, so he's still alive. Good, you didn't sell him like you sold me. But he's not revealed himself to them yet. It's quite a story. And what happened then is finally, he gets them, he tells them, you can come back again, but when you come back, you better bring your baby brother. And just to make sure that you do bring your brother, I'm going to pick one of your brothers to stay here in prison. Because you're going to need more food. And just as a guarantee that I'll see you again, I'm going to pick any back. I think he picked the most ruthless of the bunch, Simeon, and said, we're going to, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I can hear Simeon crying the same cries that Joseph was crying. He said, is he trying to get revenge? No. What I think Joseph's trying to do is find out if these guys have had any change of heart at all. So they go back home, and now they don't have Simeon. And they eat all the food. And dad, Jacob says, okay, guys, go back to Egypt and buy more food. And they said, dad, we can't go back unless we take Benjamin with. You're not taking Benjamin. Well, then I guess, dad, we can't buy food. He told it that I don't know who he is. I don't know why he's treating us like this. But he said, unless we bring baby brother back, we can't get Simeon out of prison and we can't buy any more food. Well, we're not doing it then. Well, after a while, it got so desperate. I mean, they're hungry. They're, they're running out of food. And finally, Dad, we have got to take Benjamin if we're going to go back. There's not even worth going on the trip. If we're not. So finally, he lets Benjamin go. And he said, oh, if I never see him again, I guess you've, I've already lost Joseph. I'm going to lose Benjamin. But they finally told him it's no choice. So they bring Benjamin back. And when Joseph sees Benjamin, he's just about to lose it. He's my baby brother that had nothing to do with this. And he tells the guards, you tell him to come to my house for lunch. And of course, they're scared. What's he want us in his house for? And they release Simeon, and he joins them for lunch. And I'm sure Simeon says something like, oh, it's about time, guys. I mean, how long are you going to leave me just rotten? And, and, but he probably knew they were ruthless. They could care about anybody but themselves. But all 11 of them are sitting at the table. And Joseph is sitting at, by himself to the side. And, and they serve all the, the, the 11 brothers their food. And they, they sat them from oldest to youngest in perfect order. How did, 
how do they know how old we are? And when they got to Benjamin, they gave him five times as much food as they did the others. <clears throat> and then he releases them. And he's talking through an interpreter this whole time. He releases them, lets them go, but he purposely made sure that they took his special silver chalice cup that he had and they put it inside the grain, the sack of grain that was on Benjamin's mule. And then after they let him go a few hours, they chased them down and arrested them and said, one of you has stolen our master's cup. We haven't stolen, no. Search us, we haven't stolen. Whoever's stolen the cup, you can have him as a slave for the rest of his life. We've not stolen the cup. And so they pulled down all the sacks, opened up Benjamin's sack, and there it was. Oh, and they all scream because they know this is going to kill their dad. And they're just begging for mercy and they bring them all back to Egypt and they stand before Joseph in Egypt. And he's standing there. And he said, the one who stole my cup will stay. The rest of you will go. And Judah, one of the most ruthless, the one who wanted to sell him to begin with, who said, let's sell him. Judah stands up and says, listen, we can't go back without our baby brother. If we do, my father will die. We can't go back without him. We have to take him with. Listen, sir, listen. Take me. Let me be the prisoner. And let the little baby brother go. And when Judah said that to Joseph, then he knew. He's different than he was 20 years ago. Because 20 years ago, he'd have gladly sold Benjamin in a heartbeat. And he couldn't handle it anymore. And he started to cry. And he said, I am Joseph. So let's pick it up in chapter 45. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out for me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Does my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him. For they were troubled at his presence. Can I just say it this way? They just stood there with their mouth open. They thought he was dead. They never dreamed. (laughs) No pun intended. They never dreamed that they'd see him again. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years have the famine been in the land, and yet there are five more years. This is going to last for five more years. God allowed you to do this for a reason. So we see that he embraced those who had sinned against him. He forgave his brothers. It says in verse 15, He kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. It wasn't until verse 15 that they finally got the the ability to talk. They stood there with their mouth open for the first 15 verses. And he hugged them and embraced them and told them, you're forgiven. 
because you sold me, but God sent me. And that leads us to the last point, sent by God. Although Joseph was sold into slavery and sinned against by his brethren, he recognized that God really was sending him. Because if he hadn't been there, he couldn't have taught Egypt to store the food. And if they hadn't to store the food, the entire world would have starved from that famine. And by being in Egypt and teaching the Egyptians to store up the food, he was able to save Egypt and the rest of the world around. And God used him in that way. So when Joseph grew old, he looked back across his life and understood in his 30s that God had sent him to Egypt in order to preserve the lives of many people, including his own father and his family. He told his brothers, but as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good. That's chapter 50 and verse 20. That's how it ends. Chapter 50, that's our memory verse that we had for today. Chapter 50 and verse 20, But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Another picture of Jesus. You crucified me on the cross, but God meant it to good to save much people. And Genesis 50 and verse 20 is a perfect match to a New Testament verse in Romans chapter 8. What he said, God meant it for good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And what's his purpose? Verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, in other words, to be like Jesus. And Joseph is more like Jesus than anyone else I can think of in the, in the Old Testament. Joseph came to know God and learned to trust him. And even though he was sold and sinned against over and over, he knew that it was all God's doing and God was allowing it for a special reason. So try to remember the big picture. Try to remember that your God hasn't forgotten you and he knows what's going on. Try to keep in mind that when bizarre and crazy things happen, God's got a plan. And it might not be what we like, but he's got a plan. We've got to trust him. So we're going to look at this more as we go week by week and talk about some of the parts of Joseph's life. Let's pray, and we'll meet back next Sunday. Lord, we thank you for your word, and thank you for opportunity to open up this story of Joseph and to see so many things that we need to see individually, one at a time, characteristics and things that... Uh, were challenges for him and we thank you for the opportunity to do so through your word and through this time together and we ask that you just teach us all we ask in jesus name amen